Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the 3 and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Thank you, Michael. All right, guys, as our NBA fans know, free agency kicked off late last week, and there was the usual flurry of activity hot off of Adrian Wojnarowski's Twitter feed 48 hours in advance. Woj bomb. Long live shams. <laughs> It all started with a bang as we got breaking news that Kevin Durant requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, First and foremost, this trade request signals the end of the holacracy experiment as (laughs) this form of democracy succumbed to a quick death in Brooklyn. Uh, This is the NBA's version of what historians and philosophers would call the end of history. Thank you, Dr. Fukuyama. <laughs> yes. I don't know if that's a Howard Zinn reference there. Yeah. Is there a is there a clash of civilizations? Yeah. What else we'll we got going right on back. here? Stay tuned. There might be people's uh, history. That'll <laughs> blow your socks off. <laughs> this uh, sent shockwaves throughout the league as we all had the impression that Durant was happy and content all the time, regardless of the circumstances. <laughs> uh, unless you're a a Twitter follower, you might feel differently, uh, but we are we are still on the edge of our seat, waiting to see if Brooklyn makes a deal soon, if they play hardball with Durant, or if they pull a Daryl Morey and wait forever to make a big deal. Uh, meanwhile, with Durant out, Kyrie rumored to be orchestrating a trade to the Lakers. Ben Simmons is wanting to know what what's up with all this drama. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't we all just make it work? Make Come on, guys. Can we all get along? Get a, piece of, get a piece of chance. Work through your issues. Um, uh, we're next expecting uh, Steve Nash to demand a trade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about time for a coach to do that. Uh, speaking of trades, Tim Connolly and the Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> made the worst trade in the history of the NBA. <laughs> And possibly the worst in all of sports history. Um, even Jimmy Johnson is disappointed that his Herschel Walker trade with the Minnesota Vikings. Was <laughs> I think you referenced that one recently, right? Uh, oh man, that's good. That's good. But, uh, you know, Connolly mortgaged the future by trading four first-round picks, several young players, some talented players, and even the man who who brought them a play-in tournament victory, Patrick Beverly. <laughs> Uh, Connolly did did all this to help make the T-Wolves a contender to secure home court advantage in the first round as a number four seed. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't he quoted as saying he regretted breaking up Jokic and Nurkic and so he wanted to run it back? <laughs> nice. nice one. Uh, critics do not see this trade propelling the, the T-Wolves beyond the Elite teams in the West, as Colbert is known as a limited offensive center with defensive liabilities who will be an odd pairing with Carl Anthony Towns and <laughs> all at a high salary ca- cost. I think the critics are right. <laughs> oh, hot off the presses. <laughs> but uh, Colbert did say today that he hopes to uh, win a championship with Minnesota, which was uh, reminiscent of when Don Quixote once uh, hoped to attain knighthood in Spain. <laughs> I had to do a little literature reference. <laughs> Who, is, is, does that make town Sancho Panza? Is that what we're talking about here? <laughs> is, yes, I think so. Yeah, so. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. We've we've talked we we've talked about Connolly a lot in this podcast, uh, even in the last few weeks. So, to to um. To, to hear that Tim Connolly made a bad decision involving a center is not uh, is not the most shocking turn of events. I do find it funny that all of these um, analysts 
you know, like the Ryan Russillos of the world are trying to reconcile the fact that they've said Tim Connolly is one of the great GMs in basketball like two weeks ago when he joined the T-Wolves. And they're like, but not sure what he's doing on this one. There must be some method of this madness. It's like, no, he's just not, he's not great at valuing his own players. And, you know, he did some good drafting, including drafting MVP in the second round. That was amazing. Can't take it back. Can't take that away from him. But Again, this is sort this of is, this is consistent. <laughs> well, we and we've done it, but it's like uh, just trying to be nice. But it's it's consistent with that. And what I find interesting is it's like no one can defend how much he gave up for him. It's like they when you try people trying to defend the move, they're like they try and say like, okay, this could work. It's twin towers. Like it's good to try something new. It's different. You know, it's the stuff, but it's like, I don't agree with that. Number one, but number two to, uh, at least with the playoffs to your point, D like that'll take them that far. But then it's like, I mean, someone's like, this is, do you think the nets can get this for Durant? <laughs> you know, it's like, is that, is this, is this what a, a, could Durant get more than this or not? I don't know, man. Well, I read a, I did read a report that the Timberwolves, uh, they dangled a similar offer to Brooklyn for Durant to feel just to, just to feel it out, and the response was that the counter from the Nets was that they wanted Ant, Cat, and four first round picks. <laughs> and I will say I, I didn't. I said, well, that feels like a fair counter if you have to your pain for Gobert. And then the next thought was that Tim Connolly definitely leaked that story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you tried you tried to warn us all, Ryan, um, about Tim Connolly, yeah, and uh, that's why the Dennis Green uh, he, he is who you yes, thought he was. Yes, you know, and people were letting him off the hook. Yeah, yeah, people let him off the hook right now. <laughs> I know they're talking about blaming the blaming the ownership. Yeah, they're like, oh, I mean, they're pushing for it. They they it's a Rod's fault. It's just like okay. I, I mean, know, I guess they do all have Brandon Clark just beasting the offensive rebounds in that in that first round series for you know six or seven games, uh, kind of ingrained in their memory, and they they hope to to change the the cadence there. I I actually am. I will say I'm a little bit intrigued, and maybe I'm a sucker for this, but I am intrigued by the way Cat and Gobert fit together. I think a lot of Cat's deficiencies are covered off by Gobert, and the fact that Gobert had to basically play one on five against a bunch of Civ wing defenders in Utah. He might have an opportunity to, to flourish a bit further. He also might have the opportunity to catch some passes now that he's in Minnesota and Donovan Mitchell's not looking him off every possession. <laughs> so, so there's elements here that are certainly, uh, that, that are certainly intriguing to me. I mean, again, I, I don't know if that gets him over the, the hump and then the playoffs, there's all the questions that people have, have voiced. Um, but I am curious to see how it plays out. I mean, the biggest thing with the Wolves, though, having watched the the, the play-in and the playoffs and much of them this season, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is amazing. He got the Supermax. He's also like a top 20 player. He's not a top eight player. And when you're paying a top 20 player that type of money, right, you're only going to go as far as that type of guy goes. And, and that's why Anthony Edwards is such an important prospect for them in terms of how he continues to develop. If he can be the unequivocal best player on that team, and then you have Cat and Gobert alongside it, Maybe this actually this trade is actually well governed because it provides the backline defense that a lot of these great teams have. Meanwhile, they have Edwards on like the twenty five percent rookie max that'll come up in like a year or two, um, and all of a sudden they have a bit more structure around it. But you know, it's it's a very it's like a super risky gamble. I mean, that's the thing that to me is so curious and and why I I can't make heads or tails of why you would go this deep into something like this. Um, Because obviously, you know, you can't defend the price, right? I mean, it's like when the Suns drafted Johnson out of North Carolina, right? It's like Cam Johnson was was going to be like a late first or or second round pick, and they picked. I think they traded up and got him at like eleven or thirteen, something like that. And 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 James Jones got totally ridiculed for it, and it turns out to be, you know, it's like, well, I guess he's good. So you got the right guy, whether it was at the right price or not, it's a different conversation. Um, and there's something to be said for having the right guys, regardless of the price. So again, there's a bit of the doubt element, but like Tim Connolly, again, I don't know, I don't know what he's done to the media to get the continued like benefit of the doubt that he always gets. But man, it's uh, it, it's pretty remarkable that that this trade is getting the type of 
you know, again, the, the, the type of response it's getting, it just, it feels like it's like more and more of a fire, the more you learn about it. I mean, it's like it, the funniest part was when we were texting about it, that it first happened and we said, Oh wow. They got him for the Murray package. It initially it was reported as three first round picks. And then we found out it was four first round picks. Then we found out it was four picks and a pick swap. Then we found out all the players involved, yeah, which includes players. Kessler, yeah. the guy who just got drafted in the first round, like two weeks ago. It, it had Bull Morrow, who was their first round pick last year. <laughs> And Jared Vanderbilt, who, who Minnesota front office was comparing to Dennis Rodman in his prime. <laughs> like, they basically just like, it kept getting worse and worse. So I, I just think that the fact that that Minnesota has gone all in. I mean, Zach Lowe talks about this a lot, but I tend to agree that these teams in this phase of, um, uh, in this phase of team building really has these one shots at the apple. When you, when you draft the type of guys that they've drafted and you have Edwards, you have cat um, and you have those guys coming along. You have these gaps, right? Kind of at when, when it's apparent that they're really good. And also they haven't hit their full maxes yet. And cat just hit his Edwards. Hasn't hit his yet. He will, I think next year he's eligible for his extension, which will kick in the year after. And then all of a sudden your cap sheet's full and you don't have the flexibility that you're going to. So you have this like window where you have to take advantage of the space you have. Then you go over the luxury, go into the luxury tax, you pay your tax bill, but theoretically you have this, the, the team to go compete for a championship. It's just how all of these teams have done it along the way. The problem is, is they went all in on Rudy Gobert, who like, again, has, you know, well-documented kind of deficiencies that I'm so, again, so curious and intrigued to see how it works out, but I wouldn't be, uh, I would be petrified if I was a Wolves fan right now. Yeah, no, I, I, you said, well said. And I, I, um, I, yeah, I just, I just think, you know, Danny Ainge, you know, mentored Daryl Morey and they're both comfortable waiting and waiting and waiting awkwardly. And I think, you know, he was just going to wait. He doesn't care. Like he, he'll wait till he gets the deal he wants. And sometimes, you know, he gets criticized for that. Like when he didn't, you know, you know, make deals, you know, to get a, even a bigger star during their first run around with Kyrie and everything um, and held on to guys and, you know, always was on guys, but never actually made the deal. Um, but when you're the guy trading the assets, it's a pretty good, pretty good approach because he just waited and waited and waited uh, to actually get it, get it done. So I also just feel bad too. Cause one of the reasons I heard people say that, that Minnesota had to, pay a lot for go bears like most players don't want to go to minnesota so go bears excited to go to minnesota <laughs> he's coming from utah so it's a step up for him. <laughs> at least that's what vernon maxwell said um so <laughs> i think i was just kind of like oh man that's rough because but then you see kevin durant with four years left on his contract potentially you know forcing himself out of new york it's you know you can understand some of the fear there um so we'll we'll see what happens I would be slightly more intrigued if they would have not had to part with Vanderbilt, uh, even Beverly, who I know is replaceable, but kind of had an important role on that team. But I think I do come back to what is the ceiling now for this team? And that's why I joke that it seems to me that a four seed is where this team can go. Like, I just don't, I don't see them. And I guess things are kind of, open in, in the West. I mean, we think probably golden state's going to now be there for, for a while longer contending. Maybe, maybe Phoenix will revert back to how they played most of the season, but I, at least with this crew that they have, I don't see them being part of the very elite in the Western conference. So it just, well, it doesn't seem worth trading your mortgaging your future for, you know, home court advantage in the first round. Right. And it's, I mean, if the Clippers and the Nuggets get healthy, and yeah. Golden State cares and like tries to be a top three seed. Like, yeah, that's a really hard to see them overcoming those three teams at the very least. And I think the bigger problem everyone's pointed out is that it's like, even if they're very successful regular season team, it's gonna like the playoffs are going to be a, a problem. We've seen it a million times. It's just like, it's like towns had trouble in the playoffs. Like, it's just, it's a hard it's a hard place for like big guys to play who aren't just like incredibly skilled or, you know, versatile defensively or, or both. Hopefully that's just rare to have that. So I do think like cats a very like soft big guy. So like him playing the four is probably better. He is a really great shooter. So they can still have a lot of, you know, they can have some floor spacing. 
um, depending on who else plays in that lineup with him and Edwards. And then to Michael's earlier point, I mean, if Edwards becomes a top five player, then this doesn't really, you know, doesn't matter as much. I mean, one thing Tim Connolly's learned is, is if you have a generational player, it can cover up for a lot of mistakes on the front office side of Pay things. your backup so, point guard yeah. $11 million a year. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's I mean, Jokic saved, saved his bacon and, Denver and now he's counting on Edwards to do it. And you know, if you had to bet on one guy who's young, uh, who's going to jump up to that next level, he definitely uh, it's a good wager. So smart, smart guy in terms of who he picks. And I do think, like you saw when they like tra- when he left, like and we joked about last week with like the Barton trade that the Nuggets made after he left. It's like Barton. He he has this like connection. He's a, he's obviously a very relational person. And he really connects with people. And that's really a strength, you know, it's strength in terms of how you build a team and a culture. And that's what people were saying when he left Denver is he had a huge part in that there. And so I think that's why he gets the benefit of the doubt for people because he drafted the open second round. He built a contender in Denver, which is like not an easy place to build a, t- a team and the current NBA, especially with the Crockies not like wanting to spend at the highest level. Um, but yeah, it's just, when you look deeper, you're like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I did have a few other things to note here. Uh, just going around the league, some notable signings. The Blazers got a good defensive guard, Gary Payton II, uh, for the first time in, I think, over a decade that we've had a decent uh, defensive guard. Uh, the Celtics scored a big trade in acquiring Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, Zion decided to stick around New Orleans for at least a few more years. James Harden will run it back with Philly. And a bunch of other deals were made that you can find out by following Adrian Wojnarowski on Twitter. <laughs> That's about all I got. Yeah, I, I like floors open for you guys. Yeah, I, I liked um, the Gary Payton signing. I mean, it's definitely expensive. And I, I but I was surprised again, just being local here in the Bay, just that the Warriors didn't decide. I mean, I knew they'd resign Looney because he's like their guy and he's, he, you know, he could be a playoff big guy, like a rotation big. And that's not easy for big guys to stay on the floor in the playoffs. He did pretty well with that. So that one was fait accompli, but I was just surprised with Peyton. They weren't willing to do that just because um, they obviously kind of feel like, Hey, we built this guy. Like he was knocking them in the NBA. And then we, he played with us and he became a, you know, $8 million a year player over the tax, et cetera. But I, I was a little surprised about that. I mean, I think they're trying to kind of do the kind of money ball light years thing and get DiVincenzo to come in on a cheaper number. And, you know, he'll be great offensively for them and hit a bunch of threes. And, but yeah, I felt like that was great for Portland. I was thinking the nuggets might go for him too. I felt like these teams that have really good offensive teams. Like he knows how to do that. Like he knows how to play, alongside a really dominant offensive guard. And I think, you know, I got to give Cronin credit. I think he's like, he's, I mean, he's definitely very aligned with Lillard. I feel like, like he's, he's trying to find guys that Lillard, you know, likes and wanna, wants to play with. And there's sort of a plan there. And I think in this era, like that, re- that's the key relationship. It's not with your head coach. It's with your star player. So I think we talked about, he'll get the extension and, you know, they'll run it with this crew. And I, and I, I really do like these teams. I think Denver did it too with getting, you know, Bruce Brown on top of KCP and Gordon. It's like just getting some, a, a couple versatile defenders is like, you, you saw it with, with um, Golden State. Like obviously Draymond is an amazing defensive player, but, you know, they had Peyton, they have other, they had other guys, they had Looney, they had other guys that could kind of like, they could, they're versatile. They could guard different types of players. And like in this modern game where there's a lot of switching and like, I think having guys like Peyton can guard anyone from like at least one, two, three, and he can, he can switch on to a big guy and give it a fight. Like he can guard a lot of guys. Jeremy Grant can guard a lot of guys. So with those two, they can really cover the toughest guys from really one till five. And obviously they'll have Nurkic guarding the five, but they can really guard people and also cover for like the Warriors did for clay and Steph and protect them. So I like the Denver's and that and Portland's done that. The other thing I just, I would point out is like, I, we talked during the year, it was like, will, you know, the Pelicans give Zion the max, like, like, are people going to hold back? Like, what are the things we don't, I don't know all the details yet. Maybe they've come out about like, if we did some of the Embiid give backs and there's some 
protection for injury for them. But I just feel like that it's definitely become the mantra of the NBA is you just, you just give the max to these guys, you give them the most money you can and you don't even think about it. And I think like the really scary one is the Bradley Beal one, which came out that he has like a full no trade clause, which I think is like, it's either like there's only like 10 guys who've had a no trade clause and he's the only non hall of famer on the list. And I think it's actually like, like it's like, it's it's full of a no trade clause as you can get. Like it might be even more significant than some of the other ones that like Kobe's had and other players have had in the past. So that one is crazy. But I just feel like all these guys are just, it's like automatic. And that's what makes the Aiden thing so weird is that, you know, it's Sarver. It's like clearly Monty has issues with them. So maybe there's explanation for it, but like, I feel like he's the only guy who's not getting the like automatic max (laughs) if you're in the ballpark of getting one. So I don't know. What what did you guys think of everything going on? Well, the, the, I, I tend to like what the Blazers did. I actually, I think GP2 is a, was a risky player in free agency. And the fact that he was sniffing around both the Nuggets and the Blazers, to me, made a lot of sense because I think him playing alongside a, a guard like Lillard or a creator like Jokic are like the two places he could thrive outside of Golden State. Otherwise, he seems like the kind of guy who was who was ripe to go make eight, nine, ten million bucks a year and in a year and a half be back on the Warriors after getting traded for like, you know, a second round or something like that. It's like, hey, the circle of life comes full all the way back. Right. Um, And so I like that pick. I do. I think you you hit the nail on the head. Cronin has a plan. And whether, you know, speaking of the Wolves pursuing the four seed, I mean, it seems like it's a similar pursuit. Um, It's kind of where they're potentially going to top out. And that assumes Lillard comes back in full form which I think he might. I mean, I think there's a good chance he does. And obviously last year was a very intentional sort of rest year. Um, and so I'm, I'm eager to that. I would say, I think the Blazers in my mind are one of the teams that got them had improved the most over the last two weeks. Um, and, and even if sharp has anything to give in year one, it's, it just creates a pretty fun environment to see what this new iteration looks like. Not that they necessarily are going to have championship aspirations, but they will have, have uh, an opportunity to be fun and obviously not, uh, not roll out the ramble jam they did last year. Um, yeah. If you, if you had told me like a month ago, this is the end result, especially when we knew they didn't get the second pick from New York, the second top pick from New Orleans, and they didn't get to the top of the lottery. If you had told me this was the outcome, I would have been like, that is amazing. Like, cause I, I remember thinking a month ago, I was like, how are they like, what is that? Ha- like Lillard's clearly committed to trying to see if this work. <laughs> like, I know he wants to get paid, but like, there's gotta be something else going on. And like, again, like they didn't have to give up much for grant. I know they pay him a lot. Like it's not an obvious thing, but yeah, I mean, I just feel like grant and Peyton going with, you know, Simons Lillard and Nurkic is like, that's an interesting group. You know, it's not going to like, like, but I feel like if, if, if you can like have a pathway to like the four seed or even just get in the playoffs, like, again, that's a huge step up from last year. So it's pretty cool. And as a, as a Blazers fan who has uh, lived through a, a couple of rebuilds over the last 20-some years, uh, those are no fun. So I'm glad we can have at least uh, what we know will be a, a semi-competitive squad. And I keep telling you guys, Sharp is ready to go. There's going to be no problems there. He's going <laughs> to uh, anticipate he'll be our uh, starting equivalent of small forward. Um and then uh, Gary Payton will be our sixth man off the bench. I'm I'm still a little disappointed. I guess I don't know. I guess it would have been much harder to get like John Collins over Jeremy Grant, but I I, I was kind of hoping they would have found a way to get Collins, but maybe they wouldn't have been able to do the other things that they did. So, um, but overall, I give uh, I give Cronin a you know a minus. Yeah, and I'm even forgetting Josh Hart. I mean, they have Josh Hart. Like he's like a good. Yeah, I like Hart. So again, like you could see, I mean, I assume Simons will start, but maybe he'll be the sixth man and you just like have Peyton Hart and Grant. Like, again, Grant is keep an eye on Little too. Yeah, Little's good. I mean, I'm saying, but if you have Little Little and Simons off the bench, like, I mean, maybe Simons obviously going to start. So you have Little and Hart off the bench. It's just like that's there's something going on there. And I, I still think the sharp, like, and again, I don't know, I have to look at the, cap and see how the money would work out. I, I don't really know if they have a salary they could send out at this point that would match like a call or something like that. So it may have just been, that was their move and they couldn't pull that off, but they still have sharp and you kind of wonder like, can they, do they have one more move in them? Um, 
like using him as, as well a, i think their goal was bait. to use the blood contract which it sounds like they 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 haven't been able to do and they're ultimately they're buying going, him out they're, right? they're going to buy him out but yeah. i think the goal was to try to but i'm sure he was sniffing around bundling that partially guaranteed with you know the seven pick to try to go get something else too which clearly just didn't happen and and ultimately you know leaves them where they're at but i think you're right i mean they are they're going to be a competitive team in the west i mean and and even with the resurgence of denver and the clippers you know memphis will still be there certainly um along with kind of the stalwarts it's 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 going to become a they're going to be relevant this year and that's i think I think all you can ask for considering how much of a tire fire it was this last year. I knew Cronin had the whole time. I just knew <laughs> on it. the job. Yeah. The last, you know, these GMs with the with last name would start with C, you know, it's not just, <laughs> just, just cookie, cookie, cookie. that starts with C it's also Conley and Cronin. So um, yeah, well, it's, it's fun. It's fun. To, it's fun to have a chance to your point D it's like, all of these like championship or misery is just not a good way to live, man. Get, get, go no. for the championship, go for it. But also it's fun to win. It's fun to have yeah. like competitive games, have a good team that you like watching. So um, yeah, we'll, well see what happens. I'm curious coming out of this first kind of flurry of the free agency with the trades and, and the draft, I mean, which team in your mind improved the most kind of from where they ended the year to where they're at now. Um, I, I think there's obviously a number of teams took steps back, Utah, potentially Dallas, but from a, from an improvement standpoint, I mean, is it, is it Philly? Is it the, is it the Timberwolves? I mean, even despite the cost, the price paid, at least in this first uh, year. No, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> keep trying. Um, where do you guys, what, what team kind of caught your eye in terms of the moves they made? I think the, the best got better with Boston. I mean, I think that was a big pickup to get get Brogdon. It seems that he. Oh, hold on! There's he, a news report in. Malcolm Brogdon's out four to six weeks with tendonitis in his stop, ankle. Yeah, stop. he'll be ready for training camp. It's no problem. Stop, stop. <laughs> they see him for the playoffs, man. He can like he can just chill out during the year. Yeah. Just, he should do the Iguodala plan. He needs 16 <laughs> games. They see 16 games from him. That is a great point, though. I mean, if Brogdon is healthy, he's like. He, he's just a funny guy because he signed that deal with Indiana three years ago that was like 470 and it sounded like it was crazy at the time Milwaukee didn't didn't uh didn't I think he was restricted so they ultimately didn't match it and I think they ended up doing a signing trade and got like a like a restricted first round pick out of it but you know the he performed statistically so well, but he was constantly being discussed in trades. Him and Miles Turner, I feel like, are on the that those two CJ McCollum before he went to New Orleans and John Collins are on the all trade team, I think. But uh, it's, it's interesting to see that he finally landed someplace, especially for a team like Boston. That you know, when when your Achilles heel is dribbling, having a guard who can actually control the ball is, is a pretty nice pickup, and uh, when it doesn't really cost you much. Uh, Brogdon's the guy in fantasy that I never, I don't draft because he's too injury prone. And then it just happens that every time I have an opponent that starts him, he seems to be healthy and of course playing, just playing well. And then I say next year I'm getting them, but uh, I don't know. Well, I, I also like Brogdon because he's, he's big, you know, he's not like a little guard. So I, I just like, I mean, they could go like much more than with white. They can go, like small and um or go four out or even you know to maybe think of grant williams they can go like with him and smart brown and tatum like like they can switch everything with those guys like brogdon's strong and like tough guy so um yeah i really like that and i think i mean the gallinari move seems more like a um regular season move in terms of just like giving them guys who can like help them win games get home court and not like have to play Brown and Tatum like 40 minutes a night during the regular season. Um, he's obviously an amazing shooter and he still has moments. I mean, he, he's had moments in the playoffs where he gets going and um, does so, yeah. Boston, does Boston want home court after last year's playoffs? <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's all, they're actually going to go for the play in this time and just work their way backwards into it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like Brad Stevens, like definitely done, done well. Um you know, I mean, I remember when they made the Tice move, it was like, oh, man, Daniel Tice, like 
three more years or whatever, two more years of him at like 10 million a year. That just seems like a lot for him. And then he's able to flip him into the Brogdon trade. And yeah, I, I just, I think the, the, um, the other piece of this is what we're seeing with the really good teams is like just the important, the importance of the Island hopping strategy and approach where, you know, just like, you know, the, U.S. military in the Pacific and the World War World War II just bouncing from island to island, skipping over the ones that are the most difficult to deal with, and kind of finding the easier ones, but continuing to like just make progress that way. It's like these really good teams that are over the cap, where you can't create space to sign a, a, a player into the as a free agent, but other than using your exceptions, they're 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 really trying to refine signing guys to contracts that the player still has value and hopefully access value for the contract. So then they can include them in other trades and deals. So sometimes, you know, this, you see it with the Wiggins thing, right? I mean, that was the, that came out when they won the title. Wiggins played so well in the playoffs was like, yeah, Durant doing a sign and trade. So the Warriors could get something for him and keep that salary spot is like what you have to do to maintain a really good team in the NBA now. And they did that. They got Wiggins eventually, right? Signed Russell, then got Wiggins and Island hopped to Wiggins. And then, you know, the rest is history. Um, and so I, I think that was actually the criticism, I think, from Buck's Twitter of the Brogdon move was that they didn't, like, they got a pickback or something back for him, that, but they, like, like, they were over the cap. So once they did that, like, they couldn't go out and get, like, a Brogdon caliber player in free agency. Like, once that guy's gone, you get nothing. So again, if Durant had not helped the Warriors out, they would never have gotten Wiggins in the end because they wouldn't be able to get Russell. So I think these teams, like I remember a couple of years ago when um, the Clippers traded for one of the Morris brothers, is it Marcus Morris for him? And we, I was like, Oh my God, like, you know, if Marcus Morris is the answer to your problems, you got major problems. <laughs> you know, good luck to you. But they, and then they gave him a four year 64 to that. It was like, what are they thinking? But what they're thinking is the same thing is you got to keep these guys you you a want to keep you got to keep them because if you lose them you can't replace them and then number two you want to have guys that have like salaries that then you can use for other trades uh particularly if they're still solid because i'm sure for indiana like they're like okay tice is decent like he's probably not worth 10 million bucks a year but he's solid and he's not like we can probably flip him some point and include him in a trade so i've been really fascinated by that is seeing again, the really smart teams. And I think Stevens has been doing this is like, you know, just keep, because even getting Brogdon, if he's injured, I think Simmons pointed out, it's like, even if he doesn't like work out, they, he still makes like 17 million a year and they still have their picks after next year. And so he could be someone they find someone else to take. And they just, you have to keep like turning it over regularly. And that's the only way to maintain uh, in the NBA today. I was going to say, can you tell, can you tell the folk, folks at home what the island hopping strategy is all about but you did explain it uh very well <laughs> was that world war ii or world war one I? I missed yeah world war ii yeah in the okay. pacific okay. yeah so eisenhower well, strategy maybe? yeah i think well he was in charge of europe i think that was oh, right he might have charge of everything marshall was in charge of everything but yeah i think it was, was it macarthur i mean there was there was guys there but yeah it was basically like I mean, it's not a perfect analogy because they basically tried to avoid the really bad islands and they just like later we're gonna just bomb you for a while and we'll go fight like the, the there was no easy islands but the less horrible places to try and fight um, so they would do that but yeah i just think that's what these guys have done that's the way to maintain you stay over the cap you pay luxury tax and you just keep cycling these guys and it's a really hard thing to do though because you have to like constantly you can't you got to sign guys to above market contracts because if you lose them you know, you can't replace them, but you can't sign them to too much because then no one will want them in a trade. Um, so it's like a, it's a weird, it's a game. And they, they're the Celtics, the Warriors, Celtics are playing it now. The Warriors have played it for a while. Clippers are playing it. Like these really sophisticated teams are doing it. And it's, you know, it's, wow. it's so crazy. It's weird things where like, you know, 
Clippers have 10 guys who make like 10 million or more and they immediately resign guys to like, <laughs> it's like, great. You get 10 million, you get 10 million, you get 10 million. <laughs> well, they resigned Zubak. They earned him like 3 million bucks and they gave him 330 and they tore up his contract. I mean, that's the thing they were going to trade. I mean, the rumor for the Clippers trade, if they had actually been interested in Kyrie was good. They were going to trade Kennard and Marcus Morris and like a pick or two. I mean, it was like, and the only reason that worked is because those two guys were making like substantial money. I mean, they traded for Kennard, who was like, it was like a total show me trade for Landry Shamit, and they immediately gave him like a bunch of money. He hadn't done anything. I mean, in Detroit, I mean, yeah. that's, that's the curious thing. Now he shot 45% from three last year. So they were clearly onto something, but you know, I, I do think what's curious about the Island hobby strategy is, is the three teams you, you, you named are three of the richest owners in the NBA. Right, the ones that are willing to do it. That's what I'm curious that like this next CBA comes around if they're going to try to incentivize even less options to do something like this, or if they're they're willing to sort of continue to play this game. I mean, but it is painful. I mean, you you even see like like you you hit on the GP2 thing with Golden State. They did have the opportunity to match that contract. They offered him the the tax taxpayer mid level, which is like six million bucks a year. Not because that's the only thing they could offer him as an exception. They had his bird right, so they could offer him the three twenty eight and keep him. It just would have cost them like fifty million bucks in luxury tax payments every year to go ahead and do that. And so as a result, they decided to let him walk because they thought they could reproduce him with the younger guys or someone off the scrap heap or whatever. I mean, the same thing happened with Otto Porter. They offered him the vet minimum when they could have offered him the taxpayer mid level, and he went and got a you know a deal in and toronto that uh you know ultimately means they lost two of their seven or eight rotation guys i mean two of the more important bench players that they had in their championship run are now gone as a result of like light years guys sort of cheaping out but you know and 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 on the other hand they're like espousing the value of the chase center making millions of dollars every day so it's it does it's sort of funny to me that they like that they they espouse how much money they're making and they kind of flout it and then all of a sudden they sort of cheap out now I say they're cheaping out and they're meanwhile, they're going to make like $180 million in luxury tax payments. So it's like, it's not exactly cheap necessarily, but it does seem curious that for those two guys, particularly, I mean, Otto Porter's only 29. It seems like he's been around forever, but he's only 29 years old. You know, GP two is like 29. I mean, they're both have multiple good years left in them theoretically. And instead of using the, the, the vehicles they had to resign them, they, they let those sort of evaporate. And so I'm curious to see, um, what implication that has for them. Cause I think golden state really does have a, you know, their, their stars are on the other side of the hill to a certain degree. Um, and we'll see Steph's going to uh, play till he's 45. So he's just certainly, kind of, but I do think there's he's like, at the midpoint, but yeah, I agree. Elements, there's and, elements and, that there's a lot of reliance on these young guys. And, and I'm curious how that translates, you know, coming into, you know, again, this was a season that was not, that was down, right. You didn't have the full blown nuggets, you didn't have the full blown clippers, you know, you had some of these issues, you know, even the Bucks got hurt in the playoffs, which again happens every year to a certain degree. But I am curious to see what what some of these choices for Golden State looks like and whether the young guys can really step up to the table. I really and, blame Chris Middleton. Oh, go, go ahead. D. Oh, no, I was just going to say a joke that um, and Minnesota hopes that Rudy Gobert will play till he's 45, which would be <laughs> 10 years from now, uh, for the record. I think he's actually under contract till then for 47 million dollars i guess with inflation though increasing that won't be so bad uh i was going to say that chris milton cost us seeing Giannis absolutely destroy draymond in the in the finals and just thinking oh. about that makes me want the bucks to get there and the warriors to get back just to see because wiggins will take a little will handle milton a little bit and you know drew's not the best you know but who's gonna take like looney i don't know like Giannis would have just gone gone absolutely nuts against them um no, yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. I mean, I, I think, I think what, like, I think Masai Ujiri has just, you know, he just has given his, 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 his scouting staff and his, like Bobby Webster, general manager, his, their orders. And it's like free agent, uh, six, nine or above seven, four wingspan or above 35% from three or above <laughs> automatically signed. It's like, it's like he, it's like when you do fantasy draft, let the computer do it. It's just like locked in. Like, oh, wait, we got Otto Porter? What? It's like, yeah, we, we just said it automatically. Like, he can shoot threes. We got him for $8 million bucks a year. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Is this going to free up Kaminga now? Now that Porter's gone? I mean. No, I think I, th- I just kind of feel like it's going to be like 
it's kind of like a Kirk Cousins RG3 thing where like Kerr is going to love uh, Moses Moody so much. It's going to be like <laughs> <laughs> he's going to play every single guy over Kaminga he can. Um, of course, they were probably right to play Cousins over RG3. So maybe not the best analogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I Yeah. I, the GP2 stuff's hard too because he was like a really great guy in the community. He's actually a big advocate for um, – kids with dyslexia he has dyslexia and so it was really something dear dear to my heart and it was like he got one of the citizenship awards for the nba for his work with that he's like advocating for students and even like kind of better education resources and focus on kids and identifying kids with learning differences earlier and stuff so um yeah so it's awesome it's awesome he got paid. So great for him. Yeah. Love and it. It's it's a package deal. We get uh his father, Gary Payton Sr., is yeah. a, a new Blazer fan. Yeah. Go Beebs, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Never mind. <laughs> well, at least the Beaver fans have that because it appears they will no longer be playing big college football. So at least here comes the that. Mountain West. <laughs> or are they gonna go to the WCZ, you think? I think we'll be joining them probably. You know, we'll be joining them wherever. If, if Drew, Drew Stokesbury if, gets his way. If Representative Stokesbury, Senator Stokesbury has anything to say about it, we're going to be uh, tied to the hip with in Pullman. We'll be having home and aways in Pullman and Corvallis every year. I played IMA flag football. You think that would qualify for whatever <laughs> league we end up in? Oh, man. Yeah. Let's. Uh, Alas, yeah. Hey, Ryan, who, what team got, the, got, got better in your mind? Well, I think one team was Portland. Like we talked, I mean, I agree with Boston. We talked about Portland. I feel like they like navigated a difficult, difficult situation. I do just a quick aside on that is I, I do think they're in a kind of a tough spot from because they don't really, if with Bledsoe being you know bought out, I don't know if they have any trade exceptions left where they can try and use, but like they don't have any salary really. I mean, it's a good thing, right? I mean, they only are paying a lot of money to guys they actually want to have but they don't have anyone really to include with sharp to make a deal, which I think to your point, Michael, is they were trying to do it, you know, using Bledsoe and to try and pull that off. So, so I don't know how much they'll be able to do during the season. We'll see. Um, Nurkic is 17 becomes tradable December 15th. Okay. Big Nurk put little at center. Um, Sharp. Yeah, sorry. So say GP two, man. You see him you guard Jokic. <laughs> Draft sharp, play him at center. Um I you know, I I think uh I I do really like the Oklahoma City draft of Chet Holmgren. I think that was a great, great move. Um I think we've seen both sides of it. We saw him last night blocking shots and hitting threes and hitting in whiskey type shots, and then tonight got bullied by a, a big dog. So um, <laughs> who who was that was bullying him? That guy that's a big guy. Louisiana Tech's finest. He's like 6'6", 280. Oh, I know Kenny Lofton Jr. So I'm always like, wait, because Kenny Lofton played at Arizona with that's Sean right. Elliott. Yeah, he was like a bench Kerr, guy, right? Yeah, with Kerr. It's like I always think, oh, a Kenny Lofton's kid must be really great. And then you see, oh no, I don't. That's there's no relation. I'm pretty sure. No, there's um, no. Relation oh, there's not. Right. No, it is not related to the Braves center fielder. Yes. Huh. Yeah, he um, – but they were saying that he played – yeah, I think he – I think he played like um, – yeah, they played on the FIBA under-19 team together. So they actually like know each other. Um, I didn't – again, I wasn't tracking the draft that closely, but that's pretty interesting, right? Like, you know, he was a – Adal's All-American, at least nominee, but he went to like a – went to losing an attack and then – just kind of an interesting guy. So yeah, it's summer league's fun. You know, I mean, Vegas summer league's more fun than Utah summer league, but it's fun to see Holmgren, <laughs> you know, doing his thing. I, I I think again, I think Robert Williams with three point shooting, like immediately. So and I think that's probably maybe the most valuable type of player you could have that's not like a ball dominant player. So I feel like that's even though you know. Lofton's kid bullied him tonight. It's like that's still right there for him. And he still like did 12 and 12 and 28. It's not like he's not like playing even tonight. So and um, isn't that a relatively fixable problem? I mean, there's some things like related to your skill set that you just you are who you are, but he can bulk up. He's still very young. 
uh, whatever they need to feed them, whatever uh, right. they need to slip under in the milkshake. I mean, uh, no, but there's uh, <laughs> there's ways to address that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd think so. I mean, you assume he's done some of that to this point, but you you would have thought you know playing at one of the best D one basketball programs in the country, they'd be offering him every science, type of support he could have, and they've been doing all the things are nutrition, but then you watch him play last night. You're like, wait, they didn't let him play like that at Gonzaga. So maybe drew maybe, Timmy would like a word. Maybe Mark few needs to, you know, because he you know, can't walk, he can't the, use, walk the line, I guess. Yeah. Is, you know, <laughs> actually, we play. can't use the, you know, the Joker line where he was like, you know, I need, uh, you know, I need a little more um, when he lost some of the weight, he was uh, saying, well, I just need that for, you know, not get pounded too much, or I need the extra protection. I'm sorry, I'm doing the opposite. But uh, Holmgren can cannot play that angle right now. Like, yeah. Rail. Yeah, but again, I think you could just have him be an off the ball shot blocker, and you know, I mean, if like if he was at the playoffs tomorrow, they would, you know, they attack him one on one with stronger, smaller guys on offense, and then they would, um, they would guard him with smaller guy like not that much but guys who like could deny his three-point shooting like he's not gonna be able to walk into threes like he's not gonna be guarded by taco fall in the right like in the in a really competitive regular season game or in the playoffs but again a dude who can shoot and block shots it's just like <laughs> you know everything in between you know we'll see what comes exactly but that just off the the bounce is hugely valuable and it's i mean again they have josh giddy in that game with him too so they probably have the two most talented guys in the <laughs> summer league on the same team so you know we'll see we'll see what happens uh but i really like them um and yeah i think do you think they're actually gonna get better this year i think holmgren's good i think he's gonna be good i i think they're gonna be good against um you know, bad teams of the regular season. I don't think they'll be like that much better than they've been. They're not trying to win. They obviously want to take another shot at, you know, Victor, whatever his name is and, and get, or um, the G league ignite dude and get, you know, one of those guys, scoop Henderson, like they want to get one of those guys. So they're not going to like sacrifice that. But I, I, I do think like, again, it's a summer league and we saw a lot of stuff in summer league, but that, doesn't but but the one thing from going to Vegas again six years ago, so it's been a little while, but we saw Devin like seeing Devin Booker play in that environment, like impacted the way I saw him the entire like I was like, okay, this guy is like he has the eye of the tiger. Like whatever you say about him, and like okay, he doesn't play the right way necessarily, didn't have any success, celebrated the 70 points like it was the end of the end of the world, like all that stuff. It was like this guy's like no joke. Like he has that edge, and I feel like seeing Holmgren play and like you're like okay these guys this guy has that so I think that carries over but yeah they're, they're not trying to win so it's like they're not gonna I don't think they're gonna win that much more but I think there'll definitely be some giddy Holmgren SGA stuff happening um so I don't know I, I don't really get like it's it's such it's unfortunate that it works this way because it'd be fun to see again it'd just be fun if everyone tried um but they did give Lou Dort like $80 million too, which is like 87. Yeah. What a funny, what an amazing story. I mean, the guy was like really like ballyhooed coming out of Canada, went to Arizona state, had an on and off year left after his freshman year, went undrafted a little bit surprisingly. And then they did the Oklahoma city was early on the strategy where they sign undrafted guys or sucker around picks to these long contracts. Yep the ones that they're particularly excited about um, which really locks them into this cost controlled structure. Cause a second round pick or, or, or a undrafted free agent, you know, you have the whole Gilbert arenas rule issues in terms of guys that pop without the longer term guaranteed money. All of a sudden you kind of find yourself in a pinch. Uh, and so then they tore it up and gave him this huge contract, which feels very strategically timed and I'm sure well thought out. And I'm sure there's a spreadsheet somewhere that, that tells you why that makes sense. But it is. It's they're a fun team. I mean, and if they are able to get one of those two guys, I mean, it's going to be sort of a master class in team building uh, because, again, how good SGA has proven to be. And then a couple of all these other young guys, you know, even if one or two of them hit, they'll be in great shape. Um, you know, I do. I think for me and, and maybe I'm I'm I am I, I should not fall for this again. But the, the Philadelphia 76ers 
oh. ability to put role <laughs> players around and be particularly, I mean, James Harden is James Harden. So maybe I should, again, fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me. Jimmy twice, Butler, right? Jimmy Butler disagrees, Michael. <laughs> But like Tucker, or, or maybe just, he agrees. Maybe Jimmy Butler agrees with you. <laughs> he's such a zero on offense, but he does really does bring a lot to the table in terms of the way he contributes, and especially if he's like your fifth best player and he, but he plays like thirty five minutes a game. He's just it's, it's nice to not have a gaping hole. Um, and then throw in D'Anthony Melton and and Daniel House along with you know the Maxi Harden Embiid trio, and and you really it feels like you're cooking with some gas there in terms of. Again, some depth that they did have much of the year, but when they did the Simmons trade, they sort of cashed that in for Harden. And so I'm curious now, the kind of a, a rebuild on the fly, if that is something that translates for them as they come into this season and and if they can stay healthy and Harden, you know, doesn't continue to, to digress, that he, they're able to really challenge the powers in the Eastern Conference and, and, and put together something that, would be really fun because again, I think that the way that roster is cultivated is really strategic and intentional. And again, they might just flame out all over again. <laughs> but uh, it's it's certainly I I admire Maury for continuing to pull it off. It's like, you know, he's like the quintessential poker player where you walk to the table and you can't spot the sucker. You're the sucker, and he's like literally never the sucker. He's like <laughs> he's always trying to find like who he's going for. So. It's, is, uh, is there it's, something to PJ Tucker knowing every year which Eastern Conference team is gonna is gonna win from Milwaukee to Miami and now he's going to Philly? Like, does he just know something that nobody else does, or is he is he just the missing piece in all these teams? Well, <laughs> to I think, be honest, he, he's I he just wants to get paid, man. I think that's literally <laughs> all he cares about. Well, I think when you, when you when you when you when you had his beginning of his career, man, it's like GP two. It's like you got to get it. And it's, I do think, I mean, people have written about it. It's like that, like he has that weird skill set where it, it used to be like the three and D guy. Now it's like the three and D guy that can guard front court players too. Like he, he can really guard anybody. And I think this also, I mean, I, I like their moves too. I really like um, the Melton move. I think he's really going to be good. I think, um, and he's a two-way player, but also plays really good defense. And again, I, I just think these really good teams having defensive versatility where you can have guys, you can sort of mold their defense to protect your stars. And obviously Embiid's a great defensive player, but so you don't need to protect him. But, you know, you have with Tucker, Melton, with House, you have guys that can do that. And I think it also, um, it, I think also Maury's trying to make sure that, um that uh, Doc Rivers never never plays Shake Milton again. So I think this is like, <laughs> and he knows he's not going to play Thibault. Uh, um, and it also just doesn't put much pressure on Thibault either, just because obviously kind of last year was up and down for him. Um, it just gives like Rivers more sort of, you know, veteran options. But I think, yeah, it's like, it's like Golden State. It's like, again, what do we learn? It's like, if you have dominant offensive players and then, you can put some tough defenders around them that are versatile and can kind of mix and match to guard and adjust to whatever team they're playing and taking away their strengths. That's it's a good recipe. But I guess the last thing I can say with the Sixers is I feel like they're kind of like, it's kind of like the equivalent of like the, it's the short term this year equivalent of like the longer term for the wolves is like, you know, if ant develops into a top five or, even a top 10 player, like kind of all these moves don't matter as much because he's just going to be dominant. Um, if Harden like shows some Doncic in him or some Jokic and kind of gets, gets in shape, actually, like if he actually comes back with some pounds dropped and is like fit and lean and like got his game face on, even with his, um, he won't be back to the level for a few years ago, but if he's like really engaged and like, I has the eye of the tiger, at least to the equivalent that he's ever had in the past. I think um, that that'll make up for everything. Like if he's really fit and like going, even again, if it's more limited potential than he's had before, I just feel like that's, if that happens, then it's like, wow, get, get ready. But that's the, the X factor. And it's just so like, it was just again so weird how he went out. But I mean, maybe he's a front runner. And if you can get them going, like where they can win a lot of games, um, you know, maybe that helps too, but yeah, I, I liked, I like what they did. I, I agree. Um, and I think it is like, 
these other it, it's like when you get a couple stars and you're in a team with a couple stars like someone that every year can kind of create a bench that works is a really it's a good strength to have i uh noticed too that jimmy butler is getting combative from the comfort and safety of his twitter feed uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes hold me back after pj hold me back on instagram <laughs> oh, i, I like i did like that he brought a beat into it and stated that he did too yeah it does like, yeah yeah he's always got to challenge the big guys right well it's just Fr- so from funny a distance. they had him i mean they just had him and beat, and that could have been their thing it's just so weird um but yeah I, I, yeah I guess to turning, I think one other question you had, Michael, was like who we didn't like. I mean, the two hundred fifty million for Beal with a, no, a full no trade clause is just—it <laughs> is rough. It's just rough. So on um, on the list of things you regret immediately. Yeah, I think someone pointed out it's like the Wizards have a tendency to like the moment they sign a guy to them automatically being the worst contract in the. I mean, it's like Juwan Howard, John Wall. Now Beal, it's like been going on for many years. So um, I think that's a tough, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of loath to kind of give GMs the benefit of the doubt, but I do think Tommy Shepard is in a tough spot in Washington with Ted Leonsis. I think oh. Leonsis obviously won a Stanley Cup with the, with the Caps, but, you know, is, is not the best of owners. And I think he, but he develops these relationships with people. He's a relational guy, which I think sometimes these guys sort of, you know, it has its pros and cons. And I think in this case, he's like, it's just, it's like they made it their goal to keep Beal. I don't know. What's the equivalent? I mean, it's like basically like, like a guy who like liked a girl in high school and college and never had a chance with them. And then eventually like actually gets together with them and is like, Oh, wait a second. <laughs> like three years ago, if this happened, it had been the greatest thing ever, but I've moved on in my life. And like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get the ring right now because it's not, it's like if he had resigned like two years ago, it would have been like, yes, we got Beal. This is amazing. We're on the upswing. And now it's like, oh man, <laughs> he might be past his prime. Was that one of the variations of uh, Ross and Rachel from Friends? For I thought you were going that Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. That's good. Yes. Yes. It's, the, it's a little bit of the Ross and Rachel. A little will they, won't they? But definitely like going, maybe I shouldn't be doing this actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. Did you guys have anybody else that you saw and you're like, what are these guys thinking? The aforementioned Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just recorded your answer. Dave. This is like the Masai Ujiri. Uh, just get me six, nine guys who have big wings pants. <laughs> just <laughs> lock it in. It's like Minnesota, Minnesota. Exactly. Minnesota. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I if I don't like it or or I mean it'll be curious how it turns out. I'm curious what you guys think, but I just Phoenix this really confuses me. I mean they 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 traded for a backup center, just sort of in the in the fray of everything that's going on. They're rumored to be in on Durant as his preferred location, but they don't they can't actually make the trade function without multiple other parties involved. So it's it's just I'm I'm so fascinated in how they've mishandled this. This situation. I mean, they were sort of the golden child in terms of their ascendance last, you know, two seasons ago now to the finals, and then obviously just it, it blows up in their face. Aiton and Monty are screaming at each other. They won't give him the max or anything even resembling it. And and it's what's so weird about the league right now is that, you know, speaking of good bets to make, I mean, betting on a twenty-three-year-old center who can you know protect the rim and score some generally would be a pretty good bet, especially when it's only going to cost you, you know, the 25% max, especially if you're, if you're a contesting team, it's only, I think you have 6% annual raises. So it's, I mean, it's a substantially smaller contract than, than a lot of these elite players are getting. And the fact that no one's tried to figure out how to make a run at him, whether by clearing space otherwise and going to sign him to a term sheet or, or doing the signing trade and stepping into the hard cap situation. You know, the fact that Aiden has been, you know, again, he's just kind of out there. I mean, there's a couple of guys like this right now, but really Aiden is, I think, the, the, the chief among them. Uh, and I'm just so curious to see how, how it plays out. I mean, as much as I, I want change to occur, because I think that's fun, it, it does seem plausible that he just comes back either on some sort of extension or the qualifying offer 
and they kind of run it back looking at the fact that like Chris Paul is 37. I think that they can put a lot of the pieces back around that core and, and see if they can get the toothpaste back in the tube and make another run at it. And, and you know, they did win 60 games last year and winning kind of covers a multitude of sins. So I'd be curious to see if they can, they can, they can wrap it back together or if ultimately it's too far down the road that that's unrecoverable. But you know, what do you guys, where do you guys see? I'll give you these two options as we wrap up. Where do you think this Phoenix thing ends up or where do you think Katie ends up ultimately at the end of the saga? Feel free to go either direction. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I meant I've been clear last week. Uh, Kevin Durant's coming to Portland. Oh. <laughs> I got sources. Sharp. Five removed. But... Sharp. Uh, every pick and blood shows money. The f- blood Fremont Bridge Nurk- and Nurkic, you know, whatever you need. Lots of money. Uh, free <laughs> Um, yeah. So I think I think I I I feel like Durant. Um. Yeah, I feel like he either I feel like he probably stays or goes to Toronto. I just I don't really see like someone that has a mix of like stuff that would like someone that immediately would help New Jersey or I always say New Jersey Freddie's like Brooklyn and get the Nets going. Um I don't think they'll trade Barnes, but he might. He might trade Barnes if that was all it took to get Durant and um you know get get that add Durant with that group maybe pretty pretty crazy so um but it seems like he might stay I mean people have pointed out I mean Rich Kleiman it is just guys I mean I, I always whenever this stuff happens I sit around the picture of Wormtongue from uh from Lord of the Rings because <laughs> that is like the best that is the best like parallel best analogy I can think of for Rich Kleiman like if you think about the time like Kevin Durant like the worst part of Durant came out it was like you know, PK post climbing because, um, you know, it's just, it's really eerie. It's a really, great, I mean, it's, re- it's, it's really it's, weird. You should, everyone should go read about this. It's like yeah. if you follow the tea leaves. And I, I just feel like if you're going to be like someone's guy, right? And like all these guys have got guy or like kind of what, you know, you need to have a guy. You need to have a group of guys. You see it with LeBron. He was criticized a lot. His group of guys was criticized a lot and they've had a lot of success. They built a lot of, you know, additional wealth and like you know had a plan and really done it so obviously it's like it's never easy but it's just it's just i don't know this is like the worst this is the worst type of relationship it feels like and i just feel like if you're the guy i don't know it's just i feel like if i was gonna if i was durant and i was gonna have a guy i want the guy to be in the background (laughs) you know and like like kind of be the godfather helping like the moves and do stuff but like you know it's not climbing climbing's like trying to be kind of in the mix and i don't know again i, I don't want to like infantilize kevin durant i feel like that's something that's happening where it's like oh it's Kyrie's fault it's the net's fault or it's rich Kleiman's fault so i guess i'm contributing to that like durant's responsible for his own decisions and he would you know make that clear to everyone but yeah it just it just seems like a mess and it it, it um I, I do think like the package for Durant, if he does get traded, will be a less than we expect. I think that's it won't be like Kawhi less, but I think it'll be less because I just don't think it really it doesn't really work otherwise. Um, so yeah, so that's what I said about Durant. I think with the Suns, I mean, they did just win sixty games. They went sixty four and eighteen. I mean, they were like I, mean, I know it's only like on the margins, but it's like they were like legit. They they were dominant. They had like I think a ten point maybe not up to 10 point differential, but it was significant differential, eight, nine, 10 point differential. I mean, amazing team last year. Um, I, I think the first, I think with you were pointing the second round stuff, like Oklahoma city's done with Dort. It's this weird dynamic and you see it in the NFL too, where, you know, you have the, the first round picks, they actually, um, they get paid a lot more, but they like, like in the NBA, you get the four year deal. Plus you get the, um, the option year plus you get restricted free agency, right? So it's like, it's like, it's like a six year thing. And again, like no one like takes the qualifying offer in that restricted year. So 
it's just this weird dynamic. And so I think it's just weird for someone like Aiden, who's kind of stuck in that. And I think the restricted free agency, like it still like really brings down people's like value. And it's this weird thing where it's like Lou Dort. Cause what eight, I think Aiden's four years in, right. He was the same year as Dantes, right. Or four or five. Right. And so it's like, he's the same year as Brunson. Cause Brunson was four years. So you just like, look at Brunson and, and Aiden, how different experiences they're having right now. We're like, Aiden still like over time will do much better than Brunson because he got paid just millions and millions more on his rookie contract. But like Aiden is stuck in like, you know, he's stuck in purgatory. He has no idea where he's going to go. And like, he's, you know, it's like all this weirdness is going on and Brunson just got to go play for his dad. So it's just like, sometimes it's like, you want to be a second round pick. And it's the same thing with the NFL where they have the franchise tag and they're never going to give it up, but it's just really weird dynamic where, it just gives the team a lot of power and it's, it, it, it affects the best players. Like it affects like the first pick of the draft. It affects the like franchise quarterback. Um, and it just something that teams will never, that league will never give up, but I do wish for restricted free agency. They actually made it like a 24 hour turnaround on accepting. Like, I think they still have like, is it like three days at least now? I mean, I feel like they got to make it like, Cause I just feel like they reduced it cause it used to be longer. Right. And then people just would never use it. Cause it would just, I feel like they didn't go down even farther. It's like, what are they really going to like know more in that three day period? Cause it's just, it's just such a cudgel against someone like Aiden. Um, so I guess that's a long way of answer, not answering your question about the Phoenix, but I, yeah, I, I, Aiden might just be in the same boat as, as, as Durant. And I think it's like, if Durant stays, I think Aiden probably stays too, because there's, it, it's it's like he might have a secondary team to go to. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's an argument where Aiden, maybe not Detroit or San Antonio, but maybe Indiana. There was a, there was a team out there, maybe even Utah. There was a team for him to go to and get this contract he wants and get out of Phoenix. But like everything's shut down until the Durant thing gets sorted out. Um, one, I mean, someone was saying Utah has interest, which I thought was interesting. I mean, I think I like. I mean, I think Ainge is smart, and I like Aiden, so that's affirms my bias, but I was like that, that could make some sense. Um, I mean, it seems more likely age to trade Mitchell at some point and just go full, full rebuild, but I don't know. I, so I, I think the most likely thing is he actually does come back um, and they run it back, but they better watch out because I think they just are kind of like, they believe a lot in their system. And then they're like, you know, and it's easy to blame the guy who's got issues and plays video games all night and stuff. But like, Someone pointed out that their their role players like him and Bridges and Johnson, like so important for them. Like they were kind of the Blazers, you know, where they had Drexler, but all those other guys that were like borderline all stars were incredibly important to them winning. Like you couldn't just like drop two of those guys and be fine, like in the Durant trade or something. So um, I would just be concerned. I would be careful because I mean you can't. San Antonio like had the culture because they had Duncan, like Duncan was always there. So it's like, and Booker and Chris Paul are not Duncan. So. <laughs> and Derek, you got, you got KD to Portland and, but you know, eight and staying in Phoenix, completing the big four. Well, the, yeah, the ma- the original master plan did include Aiden as well. So it was Duran Aiden, but, uh, you know, you, you shoot for the stars and then, you know, you see where you land, but, uh, <laughs> but sharp, sharp's ready to go. doesn't really fine, no matter what happens. Uh, on that note, guys, this wraps up our free agency preview, initial free agency preview. And speaking of Kevin Durant, our apologies to him. I think he detected the sarcasm in the monologue and he, he left the green room early. So Rich Kleiman advised really Kevin yeah, Durant to leave. He got a call. I think it was Kleiman. Kevin, yeah. walk out. Kleiman was uh, invited to the podcast, so he said without yeah, no, no me, no Durant. So, strikes yeah. again. Warm tongue. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3 and D Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast. It's a triumph of the human spirit.